Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. April's read is How Much of These Hills is Gold. Spoiler alert, we usually end up discussing endings and key plot points. I'm Amy, and joining me today is Kayla, Adult Services Librarian at Norwalk Easter Public Library. Welcome. So, how do I explain what this book is? It's a Western in a non-traditional sense. It is lyrical. The main setting of the story is 1850s United States, we presume, during the California Gold Rush. That's kind of another presumption because we were never actually put in a physical space by name. But knowing what we know of the history and things, this is kind of a historical fiction. The majority of it is told through the eyes of main character named Lucy, who is a young girl, Chinese-American, presumably. And yeah, it was not what I expected. Great. (laughs) What were your initial takeaways or what did you expect? Maybe we should start there. Yeah, I came across this about maybe two years ago now, year and a half ago, last track. And I thought, oh, finally, another historical fiction novel, but it's not a World War II book. I'm getting a little worn out on those. So I was automatically excited to try to have what it seemed to be a Western. Again, as we presume during the gold rush, there's a little bit of literary license in there that doesn't really officially give us that tell to solidly say that I was intrigued about the story of two siblings. I won't necessarily do families necessarily, but it feels like it at some points. And I just wasn't really sure what to think with the initial description. And then I had the opportunity to read it for a committee I was on. I'm actually part of the All Iowa Reads Adult Committee. And this was ended up being on our shortlist for last year. And so we had the opportunity to explore further into this title to have it end up being on our shortlist. Overall, I love the book. It's just the pacing's a little bit slower than I would care for, but I would totally agree. It's lyrical. It has a really beautiful sense of place without ever telling you what place you're in. (laughs) Yes, it does borrow heavily from that tradition in Westerns of the pacing, but also the scenery. There aren't quite the same like long, like two pages worth of descriptions of where you're at, but it still gives you, yeah, like a beautiful sense, especially when they're outdoors and doing things. Also, I don't know if it's because of the characters or if it was just an <laughs> author choice, but there are a lot of descriptions of mud and dirt and grass and those kinds of elements of it. I think maybe not a lot, maybe that's exaggerating, but I felt like there was a big grounding, like literally. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. It's very pastoral in its descriptions of, I think specifically when they were traveling with intention some of the time and they were very good at describing their campground or as they were traveling through that's why I always felt like I knew where I was at even though I didn't know for sure if I was in the California West or if we were maybe somewhere overseas but I did always have this beautiful sense of this prairie with hills in the distance the gold grass flowing I can totally just picture all of that sense on it. 
And we also get a sense of place because of, you know, the different activities that the characters are engaged in. There's mining happening. There's a couple of times where prospecting is mentioned. So again, we do get that feel of the West. And so to give a better idea for folks who may have not have read it yet, it does jump around in time a little bit, but for the most part, it kind of starts out as the main character is younger and like where she was living in her younger years in a single place. And then things happen in her family and she and her sibling, Sam, leave. They are no longer with their parents. Dad dies. (laughs) I'll just throw it out there. For the spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. And they kind of break apart eventually. And there's some period of time where they're not together anymore. They come back to each other. And so, yeah, there is a lot of travel here. You also get some backstory with the parents a little bit, which I'm not sure if I trust any of that or not. What were your thoughts on that? (laughs) I'm so grateful we had a portion of the story which appears to be Ba or the dad sharing their history to his eldest child, Lucy, but also I get a little bit of an unreliable narrator from him throughout the whole story. Again, my initial understanding of this character is through the eyes of Lucy, a young Lucy, younger than 12. The timeline's a little blurry there until they leave. And he points out, I'm not a liar. I may have lied, but I'm not a liar. Language is very key in here as well, with the language barrier and language learning. So he's very choosy about his words, just like the mother was very choosy with her words. And so he says, I'm not a liar, but I lie and I know how to keep secrets. So I really found that interesting. I feel like we understood the mother better by Ba telling his story. But again, how much can we believe of that Mm -hmm. is really intriguing. And I feel Lucy's relationship with her father would have been totally different had she known some of that before the incident, before they were leaving. And I definitely think it played a role into why the younger sibling, Sam, had a different relationship with their father and then caused the rift between Lucy and Sam a little bit. I would call it a rift. And the whole backdrop of this setting and the story, you know, there's layers of that, that lie and that like, okay, what's true and what's not true? What can I trust and what do I question, right? Because there are several times where Bod is talking potentially from beyond the grave. I got that feeling that it was supposed to be him kind of beyond the grave talking to Lucy and Sam, which is interesting. So boss says several times, like, yeah, question history. You can't trust what you're reading in your history books from school. These are things that you should question. Here's my side of the story, which I do really appreciate like that direct call out of you know, the juxtaposition of what and who writes history. So I think Mm -hmm. it was good to directly call that out in the story because sometimes authors choose not to. And I think sometimes it's necessary. So I thought that was really nice parallels. I enjoyed that about it. And that's the other thing, right? We don't ever get Ma's side of the story too. And we don't really know because Ba doesn't himself, he doesn't know his full history. So he assumes that he was born on U.S. soil, 
or the land that he calls his home. He says several times, like, this is my land. And he tells stories of confrontations with people who moved from presumably the east side of the country to the western part of the United States and says, why do you think you have more claim to it than I do? Me, who's lived here my whole life. So that whole conversation around like claiming place is interesting, especially because I recently talked about a book that also talked about how when you move from a place, can you call it home anymore? Do you actually belong there when you've been gone for a long time? So like there's this whole theme running in my life right now with place. <laughs> it seems so. like it, <laughs> or at least the books uh, are, book chat are connected that way. <laughs> But yeah, and there's also a moment where Lucy, she and Sam are at the home of Lucy's friend, but not friend. Oh, yes. This is after they have left, but I will call their original home. And then Sam and Lucy have been separated for five years. And now Sam has returned to that town and they find each other again there. That whole scene, that whole span of a day with Sam coming back into Lucy's life, really, I was baffled from start to finish on that. (laughs) Yeah, Um, because they kind of just fall back into their normal, almost, right? They almost fall back in. Things have changed, obviously, between them, but. Yes, I think actually Lucy's the one who calls it out after they leave town together, she even points out, I realize how much we are still the same and yet how much we are still so different. In the younger parts of the story, Lucy has always considered herself in comparison to Sam, that Sam took after Ma and was beautiful and was the preferred child by Ma at the time, but then Sam became the preferred child of Ba and took on the beauty of Ba instead. And part of it is Lucy attributes it to her broken nose, that her hair is never quite as silky, that she's never quite as dainty as she should be. And then here in those five years they were separated, she becomes friends with this young Anna gal, who's a daughter of a prospector, of a successful prospector, if we want to call it. (laughs) Well, I think it's fair to say that he was a successful prospector. And part of that is he was of the right skin tone. He was of the right words. He was of the right learning. And he had the thing that Bob did not. He had paper to say that he was the successful prospector. And with the relationship with this Anna girl, Lucy takes on a different identity and becomes Lucinda. I would call it a different identity But in a way, the five years of her and Sam being apart, I'm going to kind of say the spoiler. Lucy extends her name to Lucinda, but I feel like she shrinks in her identity. Whereas Sam started as Samantha and became Sam, but grew in person and strength and courage. Okay, I called it. I said the spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, their journeys are very different. But they somehow simultaneously seem to be on a similar journey of like trying to find home and trying Mm -hmm. to find that sense of belonging. And they're not successful, I feel like. Unfortunately, no, I don't have any confidence that either of them found that successfully. 
I don't think I've ended a book with so less hope and so little closure, but maybe other people find it perfectly fine. I'm hopeful that maybe they find it. We never find out for Sam, if Sam ever finds that at all across the sea. Not sure where across the sea is, but we can assume maybe it is Asia. We hope that Sam does. I don't know if Lucy ever does. Yeah. Still figuring out what the heck she wants. (laughs) Yes. I think there's definitely a difference in that I think Lucy is very much still openly looking and trying to figure it out. And Sam thinks they've figured it out, but is searching in the physical world for it is like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is where I'm going to find it type of vibe. And like, I understand the choice made to end the book that way, but yeah, I also, you know, it's not what I wanted as a reader, but I get it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. As a literary choice, as the author's choice, I get all the decisions made and how the story was told in the order it was told all of it but it doesn't make it any more or less frustrating for the reader yeah (laughs) i'm just so glad sam showed up when sam did though as far as the friend involving the lucy's friend anna i don't know if lucy would have had the courage to live that life much longer considering the circumstances that were coming up. So I'm grateful for Sam. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I was dreading what was happening in that. As I was like reading that section, I was like, oh, I don't like this. This makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm glad that that hopefully changed entire course of Lucy's life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, feel confident with that. <laughs> yeah. The other glaring kind of fantasy element in this Mm -hmm. book, the tigers. Yes. And the thing where I'm like, okay, are we really in the United States? Is this just a fantastical element dropped in? Or is this like the clue that this really is not at all the United States and we're just big suckers? I don't know. But right. (laughs) (laughs) So the tiger, I don't know. What are your thoughts? So... I have a couple thoughts of it being one, either purely the fantastical element that was needed to tie in this literary writing choice, considering typical storytelling and many Asian storytellers choose to write like this and always have a little bit of a fantastical element. So that's where that is. Second, that language is still a barrier and the choice of words is important. So (laughs) throughout this book so maybe it wasn't actually a tiger (laughs) maybe it was exactly what Lucy made a joke about at one point that maybe it just was a bobcat but because it made similar sounds or sounds that they likened to a tiger or it was just massively big or it was dark so they couldn't tell so that's another theory And third, the tiger being so closely associated with luck how do you continue Mm incorporating luck or the lack thereof throughout the story unless you incorporate so to speak a physical manifestation of it in the form of a tiger I like that I mean I didn't think about the luck piece of it but you're right I was thinking yes the tiger connecting certain time and space in the novel for the characters but 100% luck yes I love incorporating that into 
the whole picture because we see it or we see evidence potentially of tigers in some key points within the story. And we also see at one point, and I don't know if this is a language switch or if it was more some representation of animals and people, but where they talk about jackals. And that seems to actually be when they're talking about people who are doing harm to the family. So that's interesting to think about. But so we do see like the tiger, the day or evidence of a potential tiger during the day of Sam and Lucy's kind of reconciliation almost, right? Or was that the same day or was it the day before? It was close to, right? The tiger's presence was before... Lucy knew Sam was in town. That's right. I don't know. Maybe it could be a precursor to like, a, hey, this is coming your way. Kind of the mm-hmm. author trying to maybe drop something there. I don't mm-hmm. know. Because, right. yeah, before that, we don't hear anything about tigers. At least it's not mentioned by the author or by Lucy within those five years that she is separated from Sam. Because the last time before that, the father mentions it in his retelling of his life as being attacked by a tiger and never being able to walk correctly again because it it split a tendon in his leg. And then before that, is it just talking about the presence of and signs of, or do they actually, now I'm trying to remember that far back into the book. I think chronologically, (laughs) there was a time that there was a tiger mentioned in one of the mining towns or that there had been tigers there before and that it was not to be confused with the jackals. And then that the tiger was the real threat, not the jackals. But the tigers never really seen. They assume it was a tiger that took a child away from the town village. Tiger is the first word of Ma's native language that she teaches Ba. Mm -hmm. There's a song associated with the tiger. And so Ma teaches Ba that song and teaches Sam and Lucy the song when they're grown. And then every town, every home they lived in, Ma draws a tiger before they move in because it's luck. It brings luck. That's right. So there's a few different times the tiger gets brought up and Ba's the only one where there's connection of bad luck with the tiger. Yes, which (laughs) is very interesting because he always has bad luck. And I think she also kind of blames him Mm -hmm. that he is almost bad luck because he says several times like he messes up a lot and every once in a while is successful or something like that. And it's very fleeting luck if it is at all yeah and if you are to believe Ba the portion of Ba's history really ever since Ma met Ba he has done nothing but bring her bad luck if you want to believe all of that history if you want to look at it that way without getting into too big of a secret of what that sparks Also, in a way, the tiger is their own connection to home, at least is Ma's connection to home. And in a way, a tiger is what Sam is always seeking, much like Ba. Sam's always seeking luck. Sam is seeking the tiger. Sam is 
following a tiger towards home. That felt a little heavy on that. Sorry. (laughs) No, I mean, it's true. Like, oh my gosh. And I just, I just feel so much for Ba, but after hearing his chapter or section of the story, like, Mm -hmm. even if I don't a hundred percent believe like everything that he is saying, although I am inclined to like, Mm -hmm. I think it's because other than the kids, he seems to have a strong sense of home that just won't accept him. And Ma, that is not necessarily the case for her. She still sees home as not in the West, not prospecting. She followed a dream or something there, but it's not home. And so I think I just felt really deeply for Bob with his kind of loss or, you know, feeling at home, but never accepted. And that just made me sad. (laughs) Yeah. And then we can go into so many different connections and another reason why we have an idea of historical place and time. I believe it's Bob who actually comes out and says it, no amount of hard work will ever bring acceptance when laws can be changed to keep it from you. I mean, just what a whammy. (laughs) We brought it up of, they ask where I come from. I come from here. And why do you have more right to say that you belong here and this is your land than I do when I've lived here longer? I've lived here my whole life and you just arrived. And I'm the one who found this gold. I'm the one who worked hard in the mines when gold was no longer found. I'm the one who worked hard to take care of and provide for my family. And now you go and change the rules. (laughs) He will never be accepted. Never did get acceptance. Never got acceptance from his own family, even, I feel. If we want to get right down to it at the end, I think JBC is the only one. I think Sam possibly is the only one who accepted Bob. But Sam is the only one who knew Bob only as much as Bob let Sam in. Yeah. Even his wife, even Ma doesn't know his full, like, history, really. Now, granted, they have their own shared history, but it seems like, you know, that secret keeping that we talk about, really, there was something that may have seemed, you know, insignificant potentially at the time turns into something that was probably a really big deal when you think about interpersonal relationships. Spoiler, he, well, to be fair, she inferred when they first met or he misguided on accident. If you believe his side of the story that he accidentally may have told her that he was from the same place that she was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it may have been a little bit of the reason why there was such a rift between them and lack of understanding, I think. And don't they say that the strongest relationships are built on strong communication and they had communication difficulties from the very beginning? They did, yes. <laughs> literally had a communication barrier from the very beginning. Yeah, literally. And then it just continued, right? It wasn't just about the language because they got over that barrier, right? They both learned a little bit of each other's languages. I mean, she learned much more English, it sounds like, than he learned her language. But it like still continued in just everyday interactions and things. And it didn't get better, folks. <laughs> it, it did not. No. I lean towards feeling sad for Bob. I lean towards it because I still don't know how much truth to have in his side of the story and his actions throughout 
of his time of being alive do not speak to him being the one to be trusted. His actions do not always line up with his words. Very often do not line up with his words. Again, we assume he's telling this story from beyond the grave. In death, he claims to tell as much of the truth as he can. And throughout Ma's actions, in the younger part, at least, hers are more trusting. She holds the secrets close. She doesn't judge. She just takes them in and allows them to be said and had. And Ma, despite having these rough calloused hands, she wears her gloves. She knows which words to say. She knows when to talk. She knows all the proper things to do to be accepted. Mm -hmm. But then her final actions are very telling in a different way. And we'll let that one sit. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So you bring up very good points. We have two very different characters who we as readers have opinions about. I wonder looking at this as somebody who I'm a white person. I'm looking at these two examples of my guess from the author's books and writing that it could be construed as, you know, two ideas that people have of immigrants and migration. It seems intentional to me. I don't know what my question is other than I've noticed this thing Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do with it beyond that other than like recognizing it. And was that the intention? Was it just to recognize these characters? To call out this observation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very important that the author told it that way, especially because we're still getting Ma's final actions secondhand through Ba. Yes. It's also maybe not Ba. It's still coming from possibly beyond the grave. We don't ever hear it directly from Ba. But again, what Lucy remembers and seeing happen that night mm-hmm. also doesn't line up <laughs> with yeah. what's being told. So I think that's also very important to point out of this observation of these different stories. And I think it plays into the sense of home. How many different times did Ba bring up that there are other people who are other like us, that it doesn't matter where we come from, they'll still take it from us. Mm -hmm. Several times he mentions, your ma doesn't like my connection with the Indians, but their claim to the land is greater than ours. Their knowledge of the land is greater than ours. And even Sam seeks that out during the five years apart. It brings me back to what ma said. Oh, now I'm going to get that phrase wrong, but it's, how we look is how people see us or how we appear is how people will see us. Yeah. Um, That's why Ma always, when she stepped out of the house, she always put on gloves to hide that she was a hard worker, hide her past of working in the coal mines. She almost never talked because her voice was very raspy and throaty, but you find out possibly how that happened. It's not a dainty voice for that is a disconnect with the image she's trying to portray. She was very cautious about trying to make everything look neat and tidy. And just like everyone else. That's a good point. Because, yes, that adds some more depth to that. And you see that kind of replicated again, right? With the difference between Sam's choice in exploring, you know, those five years. And then Lucy's choice and how they are 
similar, but not their parents. And it seems like there's no middle ground. Right. Granted, that could just be to kind of juxtapose the options, but it does seem like there's just no middle ground. Like everything is very one way or the other. Yes. The options are limited. So I have mixed feelings about this book in summation. It was mm-hmm. wonderful and I'm glad I read it. And also it makes mm-hmm. me very sad. The only part of it that has me hopeful is that we use this to learn from, that maybe this story has changed over the years, that if we were to take it as this time and place of potentially the gold rush and a simulation of that immigrant story, that we can hope that that is not always being repeated, even though other stories may beg the differ on that. And my hope, like I said at the end, is that I hope Lucy figures out what it is that she is wanting She's, I'm guessing, only 18, 19 at the end of the book. There's so much still ahead to figure out. Yes. <laughs> so much time. And I'm hopeful that Sam found home. Otherwise, I'm thrilled I read it. I'm thrilled I read it a second time. I'm thrilled to have another story that may have not been heard. Yeah. Well, that was beautiful. I can't follow that up. So thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. If you enjoyed How Much of These Hills is Gold and are looking for more books, I've got a couple of nonfiction that you may want to try. Ghosts of Gold Mountain by Gordon H. Chang. Empire's Tracks, Indigenous Nations, Chinese Workers, and the Transcontinental Railroad by Manu Karuka. So those will give you, you know, the history side of things, if that's what you're looking for out of this. I highly recommend. I will be back in May with Jen from North Liberty Library to discuss The Adventurer's Son by Roman Dial. I hope you'll join us again. Bye. Bye.